And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsi, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 244 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How's it going, Brian? It's going all right. I've had some good holidays, some good time, and good new year. We're out of we're out of 2020 now. We have escaped the uh uh gauntlet that has been 2020. Indeed. And have, have found ourselves in hopefully a more forgiving uh uh labyrinth 2021 <laughs> yeah yeah like i wouldn't say we're out of the labyrinth yet but like we're close enough that we should be able to find the end yes like, <laughs> that's the way i'm looking at it my my fingers crossed my hope for this year is that the difficulty curve just diminishes hopefully even like exponentially yes and like eases out so that mid-year later in the year like Everyone can just chill for a minute. Yes. I'm ready for the denouement. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see here. What have we done? We have put out a bonus episode to talk about the March solicitations. This one's going to yes. be pretty jam-packed. So um, with that episode, as it turns out, being an hour and ten minutes, we made the right call to let it be its own oh. thing. Well, yeah, we knew that was going to be a chunky one. Yeah. yeah. We get into all of DC's March Infinite Frontiers, uh, as well as the usual other publishers' new number ones. So check that out. And we'll probably keep spinning those out going forward, just to give them a little more room for us to talk about solicitations and give these episodes a little more room on the weeks when they come out. Or not bloat them as much, yes. That's really what that means, yeah. I know. Yeah. But speaking of bloated episodes, let's get on with it. Action Comics, it. number 1028. The end of Mr. Bendis' run on Superman. Yes. Uh, which is yeah. very much, we, we talked at one point about how, uh, I think it was in our favorite comics episode, how the Superman and the at least Connor parts of Young Justice kind of bleed back and forth a little bit. Mm-hmm. This definitely feels like the capstone to the Connor story, too. Yes, yeah, this is but this is both of those. Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh I I was happy. I liked um I you know, I I can't say that a ton of, you know, like super amazing stuff happened, but it was a nice wrap up. Yeah, like I think the yeah. thing that stood out to me um other than the scene with Connor and Superman and the geniuses yep was Jonathan and Lois and having them share panel time together again like seeing yeah that was nice it was we get that new status quo for the daily planet moving forward we do oh <laughs> jimmy taking the picture of the chief's face was pretty great yes yes um but yeah like you said all in all it's it's it is denouement to borrow to borrow your word it is yeah just everything kind of coming to a gentle stop and, and, and shifting gears. And, 
And we get my second favorite restaurant after Bat Burger. Brian's second favorite restaurant after Bat Burger. Which, which is Jimmy asking if they can order from Great Caesar's Toast. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> I am very here for it. And then, you know, as he has done with, uh, like, the the uh, shots of Lois's computer at the planet all kind of all through this, mm-hmm. the last panel is, you know, Lois's workstation with all the sticky notes. Yep. Which are absolutely Bendis's messages to other people. Yeah, like, like wishing Philip Kennedy comment. Johnson good luck and... Yep. And thanks to Fraction's awesome ending yep. from Jimmy Olsen. Yep. Yeah, that that was sweet. Like, that's that's the word for this issue. It's just kind of all-around sweet. There you go. I would agree with that, yeah. In the opposite category, Batman Annual number 5. Oof, wow. This was a, uh, yeah, this was a, a, a not that fun, sweet wrap-up, was it? Yeah, um, I think in, in a sentence, it's, it's Clown Hunter Goes to Therapy. I mean, essentially, yeah. yeah. Like, it's a first session unofficially with... Leslie Thompson. Thompson? Tompkins? Tompkins. Tom- uh, yeah. yeah I, like, first of all, I, I want to, I just want to mention the art in this. Yes, James Takoe. Which is just, like, I just love it for this issue, in, in particular. Um, it, it just, like, it just fit what they were trying to do with it. I don't know how to say yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. His art is always gorgeous and he colors himself which just is even wilder as detailed as it is and as detailed as the colors are Um, but essentially what this is at its root is the origin story of clown hunter yes and we get to see exactly how harley and joker and that scene with his parents getting killed played out Mm -hmm. um which so i there was one touch that I liked in this, which made some things make more sense, right? Yeah. And that is, so his parents ran a pho shop, uh, a pho restaurant, and um, he was there helping them when Harley walks in and basically says, you know, her and Joker have just pulled this heist of some jewelry stores or whatever, and the Joker had told her that he'd never had pho and that she loved it, so she brought him here to try. And, you know, so they serve them whatever and then uh joker tells her to to you know go get the car essentially so she and the henchmen leave and it's just the joker left in there and then he kills the parents yeah so he blames harley because she brought him there but she wasn't actually present when joker made the decision to kill his parents and did it right so there's a uh, and and this is totally like a very human thing, right? There's that ability to justify, I think, and gonna, he's going to find an ability to justify to himself letting her live because she wasn't actually there and part of it. Well, and it also, kind of like, going the other direction, too. She made the comment in, I guess it was issue 105, about how she didn't yeah. remember. Correct. But takes him at his word. And like, that explains why she earnestly could say she didn't remember because she was not exactly. in the room yep yeah yeah uh so like i thought that was that was deftly handled is i guess the best way i can say it yeah and i really um, like the way the way leslie is written in this issue yes Just very patient and very firm but gentle uh-huh. and very clear in 
we may not agree about violence, but I hope that through talking, you will come around in rejecting it. Yeah, well, and I love that he, he, I mean, I love that he was not afraid to ask her, well, if you are so against violence and don't believe in violence, how are you friends with Batman? Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, well, because friends don't have to agree on everything in the right way, and that doesn't mean they can't be friends. Yeah. Essentially is her response. And I hope one day I can change his mind. Oh, hey, what a, what a, what a well-reasoned and adult answer. I'm glad there's one well-adjusted person in Gotham. <laughs> in Gotham, right? I know. The one, the only, Leslie Tompkins. Oh, boy, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we uh, we definitely see Clown Hunter. And I love how she also, um, we, we find out fairly early that uh, in, a, in a scene that, she puts on on you know like one night a week does an anger therapy anger management <laughs> yeah. clinic right and like uh, clearly you know this kid needs it but she doesn't invite him to the session she invites him to help her set up and like pass out flyers and stuff for the anger management session yeah then knowing that he would be there yeah. for it but yes see i thought you were going to mention the uh very burly gentleman oh yeah no i liked him too he was he was he was very uh, at the beginning of the issue. There is someone trying to bug Leslie, and this big burly dude stops. I was like, "No, no, no! You d- you don't understand." She runs this clinic, and someday she's gonna patch you up. And yeah. I don't like people who hurt my friends. So you want to reconsider your choices? Yeah, Big Henry. Big yes. Henry. Big Henry. Yes. Uh, new favorite character. Ah. Uh, so good. Moving on to Dark Knight's Death Metal. Uh, let's start with the secret origin. Alrighty. I was very pleasantly surprised by this issue. So was I. This is a character that I have not really liked much in the past. Yeah. Um, but I really liked how he was handled here. This is Superboy Prime. Yeah, I just, I think we've joked about it before. I have really no working knowledge of Superboy Prime, so this was very much a an introduction for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it works really well from that standpoint, too. Yep. Um, so, for, for and for those of you who, for whatever reason, may not know, back in pre-Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, in the original kind of DC multiverse, Earth Prime was the Earth that we live on. Which that is was how it was defined. Even true in the New 52 Rebirth era. Right, right. It and is so, also not the same thing as Earth 1, which is where, like, Batman Earth 1, Superman Earth 1, correct, those take place. Correct. It is not the only unpowered... Yeah. Yes. Or, you know, originally unpowered whatever anyway so it, and everything that happens if, you know on what was called what used to be called earth one and earth two justice society and justice league earths right yeah um uh were comic books just like they like i mean literally it was supposed to be originally it was the real world because in the couple of instances before the superboy prime thing happened uh, that that there was ever contact with Earth Prime, it was generally a oh they're meeting the writers somehow type yeah. thing. Animal Man yeah. goes and hangs with Grant Morrison. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, 
This is kind of a quick recap history of the origin of Super Bowl. One of the things I love is it starts with his parents named him Clark Kent after Clark Kent from the comic book. Yes. Yes. He was also an orphan adopted. He was. And it starts out with him in a drugstore with a spinner rack of comics. And I don't know if you know this, Alex, but that spinner rack of comics are legit actual covers of comic books from DC from 1984. I, I definitely recognized some of them as being covers yes. I had seen. I didn't, I couldn't yes. have told you they're all from that year. Oh, they but absolutely are. Cause I think I own like 90% of them. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it was, that was just kind of, that was just kind of cool. Amazing. Like, clever, clever, clever little addition there. Um, but yeah, so, and basically what, what we find out from Superboy Prime is he had a friend named Lori who, um, and we know this from his original origin, who they ended up, she's kind of like a Lana Lang type yeah. character to him, right? Uh, that he kind of grew up with, but they ended up uh, becoming romantically involved and, you know, had planned out that, yeah, they were going to be, they were high school sweethearts and they were going to get married and all this. And then the crisis on infinite earths happened that reduced, you know, everything to a single world and earth prime was destroyed as part. Of and that. so he lost everybody that he cared about and he was the only survivor of earth prime. Yeah. And, but as part of it also, he gained actual legit superpower. There you go. Uh, and this is him in this final battle of death metal and, you know, how he handles that. Yeah. Because I think it was Infinite Crisis, which was the second Crisis uh, series. He ends up being the bad guy at the end of it. Right, which is where we see him introduced into death metal when... When Correct. Uh, Wonder Woman goes into Infinite Crisis. Correct. And um, the reason he was the bad guy is he was a bit essentially trying to destroy that one Earth to recreate all of the Earths again because he wanted his world back. Right. Yeah. That was... Which, you know, is an understandable motivation, but, you know, still bad. Yeah. So. Uh, Don't do but, that. Yeah. But literally everybody here... Like, nobody trusts him. Nobody wants to be around him. They're all like, yeah, this guy's bad news. Uh, except for one character. Who is the character that, that accepts him? Alex. That would be Crypto. Good, good boy. Yeah. And he doesn't even want to like Crypto. No. But he can't not like Crypto. <laughs> and he definitely can't be seen liking Crypto. Exactly, yes. Yes, it is. It is truly, truly wonderful. So then we get these, you know, uh, Batman Who Laughs created or the Darkest Night created Earths, you know, supermen who come to fight uh, as part of this battle. And as part of that, uh, Superboy Prime actually goes to confront the Darkest Night and essentially sacrifices himself to delay or you know basically damage him enough that they got a chance yeah and the interesting thing about it is he makes the sacrifice and it's done in a place where nobody knows it's him yeah 
it it remains a Ex- mystery except for crypto except for crypto who is there and who howls that he is fallen. But then we get this interesting thing where when he dies, it then pulls back out and we see Clark Kent on Earth Prime reading a comic book. Like in his bedroom from the beginning of the story? Yeah, and he's reading this comic book. <laughs> right? And Lori shows up and he's like, you know what? Yeah, let's go. And he now has a dog, which he never had before. A very crypto dog. Yes, and he, you know, we find out that, oh, he never actually got those powers on the beach that time. Um, But then he goes out, and there's a kid who's about to get hit by a car, and he runs to stop him because, you know, and literally it's the scene from Action Comics, you know. With the green car, picks yeah. Up the car, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's... That's kind of the end of this. So it's almost like a new origin now for him. Yeah. Yeah. So. And a happy ending, finally. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, this could be okay, maybe. I don't know. It was, it was, it was enjoyable. It was, it was, I think, a really clever issue. Exactly. Uh, Then we have War of the Multiverses, which reminds me a lot structurally of last uh what was it called last stories of the, the dc last... multiverse yeah yeah yep yeah it's an anthology yeah last stories of the dc universe that was it right uh where we have sort of the framing device and everything is taking place basically at the same time mm-hmm. um and the framing device is the, the fight between wonder woman and uh the, the darkest, darkest night that we see at the end of death metal number six mm-hmm and essentially, the Darkest Knight is trying to show her that it's not worth fighting, that everyone will die. And that's what all of these stories are, is basically every character featured falling in battle in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, for instance, the Raven one, all of the other Titans fall in battle. Right. Yeah. So do we want to just kind of do a quick run through of what the different stories are? Yeah, let's let's keep it quick, but let's hit those beats. Okay. So we've got Wonder Woman, uh, we've got uh, Wonder, the Wonder Woman framing story in what's called Fight, and that's by Josh Williamson, Scott Snyder. Yep. Um, uh, Dexter Soy and Scott Koblish are the artists on that. Uh, then we have a Superman story called uh, First and Last Men by Magdalene Visaggio. Yep, with Paul Pelletier Yay. on pencils and Norm Rapplin. Uh Batman in the Batmen Who Laugh, yep. which uh, we can talk about that one, that was interesting. Yep. Well, the the Superman one, real quick before we move on. Um, oh, well, yeah, I was going to go back and talk about oh, okay. a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. let's talk about him as let's let's okay. Well, well, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So we kind of talked about the Wonder Woman about this framing device, yep. and uh, there's a little bit of flashback to Diana as a young girl on on Themyscira, but it's mostly uh, this framing device of, of, of set up for the rest of these stories yep. here. Yeah. Uh, Superman, we see a fight with those same Supermen from last stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's worth noting here, you can, you can either find, uh, on Magdalene Visaggio's Twitter or I think comicbook.com rounded everything up. Apparently these Supermen were supposed to figure in more. I, uh, I can, ima- I can definitely imagine that. And yeah. there are backstories and ideas for each of them. Basically, they're from a future where uh, 
Clark Kent Kal-El Superman has been thrown into the sun and turned into a weapon. And these are his descendants who have done this. And one is like based on Connor and is a descendant of Connor. One is based on John and is a descendant of John. And then the other is based on the Eradicator. Um, and, uh, and if you know that, you can very easily tell which one yeah. is which. <laughs> yes. Um, but I thought it was a really good Superman story all about hope. Oh, I do. I, I agree too. And uh, just about as time, just about the time that they're going to be overwhelmed by these, um, they they get some reinforcements in the form of Hank Henshaw, Cyborg Superman, uh, Luther, and Zod. Yep. Who are like. Uh, essentially essentially the yeah yeah we don't like them either but you can't do this to our supermen only we can do this to our <laughs> supermen yes <laughs> yeah we can't keep so. torturing him if we're dead <laughs> exactly yeah right. then we move on uh, to batman in the batman who laughs and this is interesting this is um this is bruce wayne batman and the batman who laughs which is clearly from a different not so the original Batman who laughs clearly has now ascended to become the darkest knight. Yes. This is a the ba- a Batman who laughs who is clearly then from some other world that the darkest knight has created. No. No. Okay. This is the corpse of the Batman who laughs uh, which Bruce Wayne Batman uh got it. brought back to life with the black lantern ring. Unlife or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes that uh, that makes sense. Yeah, now I got you. Yep. Because the entire shtick here is, aha! I knew you would bring me back with that ring, so I planted Lazarus water on my body so that it would restore right. me and I wouldn't be controlled by you. He's like, well, didn't you think I would think of that and clean that off? Well, aha, aha, aha! One up, one up. Yes. Uh, and essentially, to gets to a point which, which uh, this was super clever to me. What we find out is that the, this Batman who laughs has come to the realization that it doesn't matter who wins, because if the Darkest Knight wins, everything's gone and, you know, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Right? But if the heroes win, then his goal is to kill enough people that he will always be remembered and feared, so that people will have nightmares about him. Which will then continuously respawn him in the dark multiverse. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's a that's a meta play right there. Uh, and I uh, I don't and, think we said by the way this is written by James Tynan with oh, art yeah. by Alex Maleev. Yeah, and the colorist was uh, Matt Hollingsworth. Yep. Uh, and um, Batman come, comes back and then says, "Yeah, you know the only person you have to make fear you." is me he's like, damn i do need you alive well shit <laughs> and then batman dies and then batman, yep it's so good uh then we move on to the atom and unstable atoms written by kyle higgins with art by scott collins and colors by john kalish yeah uh, and this is this is something I think is gonna set up something we're gonna we're gonna see in Dark Metal number seven. Yeah, Dark Metal number seven. Yeah, with uh, with the Metal Men. Right. Right. Yeah, because essentially it's um, Mr. Terrific and Ryan Joy and Will Magnus, and what they have done is they have uh, essentially taken the Metal Men and combined them with the T Spheres. Yeah. 
to, and I, I don't know, we're not sure exactly what they're going to do with them, but they're going to somehow then try to use them. Something. To, yeah. And Ryan Choi's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. This is impossible. Like, scientifically, it doesn't make sense that this that we can make this work. And then he has this encounter with his dark, with a a version of himself created by Darkest Night. Called Ra, which is the atomic symbol for radium. Right. Um, and like fighting him and in these powers comes to realize that, yeah, this guy shouldn't be able to exist at all scientifically. And yet somehow he does. So we live in a, we live in a universe where things that shouldn't be allowed to happen do. And so maybe what we're doing isn't hopeless. Uh, and yeah, he actually does kind of a giant man thing where he grows bigger yeah. than a person and, you know, defeats Ra. And he's like, yeah, I should have been able to do that. <laughs> Oops, physics don't matter. I guess we got this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, that's like, okay, that's, wow. Then we get the confrontation between Lois Lane and evil superhero killing Lois Lane. Yeah, this was uh this was an interesting one. I thought this was one of the more like thought-provoking ones. I did too. This is called yeah. No More Superheroes written by Regine Sawyer. Penciler is Aletha Martinez, inker is Mark Morales, and colorist is Emilio Lopez. Yeah, and essentially this is a this is a darkest night world where uh Superman came down and Lois came to the realization that um superheroes would cause all of this escalation of power type of thing essentially to a point where normal where regular people would be so hurt and injured and killed and all of this and the devastation would be so great that the best thing they could do would be to kill all of these heroes and so she starts by killing Superman. Uh, yeah, and then has they've killed essentially what I guess would be all of them. Yeah, on her world, and it is her uh, confronting and capturing, you know, capturing Lois from our world, and saying, "I can make things. Uh, I can help you make things better. Like I know what's best. Join me and let's let's fix your world too. Let's Join me, and that. together we shall rule the galaxy." Yeah, like, uh, hmm. Uh, and this is after she straight up fucking, oh, by the way, she kind of has Superman's powers now. Yeah. She took them from him. Uh, and so she straight up fucking heat decapitates Maxima. Right. Damn. Uh, yeah. And, like, when I say that she killed Superman, she she cut off his head. Yeah. <laughs> like, not just, yeah. Using amber uh, kryptonite. Oh, my God. Um. Yeah, and she takes Lois and drops her from, like, a great height, and we don't know what's going to happen yet. But the point is, what she was trying to do is she was trying to get Lois to scream in order to call Superman there yeah. so that she could kill him, and Lois is refusing to scream. <laughs> I mean, I think so many of these end with the characters that are about dying and end with an yeah. end title card. This one ends with that end title card, too. I think we do know what's supposed to happen here. Lois just falls. Yes. Lois right. doesn't call out. Right. Yep. Then we get Raven in Falling Through the Cracks, written by Che Grayson, with artists by Popmon and colors by Chris Sotomayor. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, we get our Teen Titans versus a a, a dark turn version of Teen Titans, where they came to the conclusion that uh, if they gave in to Trigon and his influence, that you know that it would be a better choice than just continuing to try to to fight and you know they could use that power to to do things. Uh, Clearly, you know that's bad. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, they they kill off their Justice League and all of that yeah. too. Yeah, so we get to see basically, essentially, dark versions of Starfire, Robin, Beast Boy, Red Arrow, Aqualad, and Raven. And clearly, this Raven has given in to her father's influence and is a demon, yep. demon chick in badass armor. Yeah. Then from Marguerite Bennett and Anaki Miranda. <sighs> With colors by this, Eva de la Cruz, the penguin in Apicus. This is the other one that was like this one shot surprised me. It surprised me too. I like I was convinced I was misreading it somehow because I did not. <laughs> it was so out of left field. <laughs> it that's exactly right. It's like wait, wait. There's like all of this, like you know, like literally multiple. I don't know, what are we talking, like, eight or ten supermen or yeah. super people fighting each other and, like, all, you know, two Teen Titans teams going at each other and Penguin. <laughs> and Penguin fighting three other Penguins, one of whom eats him and then irradiates him, turning him into a giant dinosaur bird. Yeah. That then destroys and eats these other Penguins. I... Yeah. Uh. So we essentially get uh like Thin Man <laughs> penguin. <laughs> right? We get uh Beastmaster Penguin who has weaponized and and clearly like evolved into monsters penguins. Yep. And then we get this one who absorbed his parents and is now this giant blob creature. Irradiated blob creature. And <laughs> Like the penguin from from you know the canon Earth is like, oh this is bullshit. This is what you think is people are gonna remember and what they what they want on other worlds and this and hell no. <laughs> <laughs> this will not stand. I am not gonna be. I am not get, My legacy is not gonna be a boogeyman, a sadist, and a city uh, spurring Oedipal freak. <laughs> no. <laughs> So yeah, he lets uh, he lets the blob one eat him, which then irradiates him and transforms into this giant flying bird penguin pterodactyl creature yep. who then just wrecks the rest of them. And uh yeah. Yep. That that was it. After that, we have John Constantine in Armageddon Blues, written by Matthew Rosenberg, drawn by Rob Galori and colors by Marissa Louise. Did you did you did did you pick up on what he was doing in this one as you read it? I did look as someone who listens to a lot of Hey Riddle Riddle. Yeah, I absolutely oh, right. Did. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was super easy. Yeah, like even before the the ice actually showed up when when uh, uh, when he was when he goes up to pull. So essentially, what happens is there is another version of John Constantine, and they're fighting each other. Yeah, and. This one has never grown out of his uh, punk rock metal phase. phase. Yeah, metal phase. Right. Right. Um, oh, right. Metal. So, that makes sense, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, one might even say death metal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, it, 
you know, our John Constantine basically says, okay, fine, you're going to defeat me, I give up, but at least let me go have a drink first. And this, the other one's like, yeah, okay, I can do that. So they go have a drink together. <laughs> As you yeah. do when you're too John Constantine. Now, like, most of this issue is just them sitting there, like, comparing different choices they've made, which I fucking yeah. love. I know, right? Uh, but literally, they walk in the bar, and our John Constantine goes, um, uh, so uh, I, I assume you prefer this on the rocks. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, I know how this is going. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, you know, he pours one neat for himself, and sure enough, they start drinking and talking and all this stuff. And he's like, "All right, so uh, you ready for me to kill you?" And he's like, "Yeah, um, I will do anything to survive, uh, which is why I poison the ice cubes that are in your drink." Because <laughs> you clearly see the the other guy waiting for him to drink first, yeah, before he'll drink from it, right? And uh, yeah, so uh, very. And very- our last one is Swamp Thing in Reign of the Swamp King. Written by yeah. Justin Jordan, drawn by Mike Henderson, colors by Adriano Lucas. Yeah. And this is essentially, I, I thought this was clever too. This was a Swamp Thing who talks about how he is similar in ways to uh, Frankenstein, uh, to uh, Clayface, uh, Solomon Grundy, uh, who else? Um uh, Anton Arcane and, and yeah, and uh, oh shoot, uh, Abby. Brimstone. Oh, uh, no, Brimstone. Uh, which was, if you remember, Brimstone was Curse of Brimstone. The yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. whatever that was that spun out of the original Dark Knight's yeah, metal. Si- I forget Silencer and yeah, there was a couple Sideways. Others, yeah. I forget the name of that imprint. imprint. Yeah. yeah, I do too. Um. But yes, how he, you know he's similar in some ways to them, but but slightly different. And you know there is essentially uh, the the dark version of the dark universe, whatever version of Swamp Thing is one who uh, was the avatar of the green. He uh, subsumed the red. He gained all the powers of the red as well. Yep. When the Parliament of Trees tried to stop him, he killed them. Uh, and also absorbed the rot. Yep. So basically, he has at least three of the, you know, five. Maybe it's all five. Yeah, I didn't. I, didn't I mean, three it. of the five. I, we right. we don't three, address oh, right. the, three of the five. The water, the, uh, the so, divided. Yeah, he, but or he the... has all of these powers, right? Yeah. But but what Swamp Thing comes to realize is the reason that he did this is when he was transformed, he lost the soul of Alec Holland. Yes. So there was no, essentially, there was no humanity to him to, to prevent him from doing these things. All monster, no man. Right. And so he gets Solomon Grundy and all of these others to attack to essentially kind of distract the Swamp King so he can get close enough so that when the Swamp King has to face him, like face to face and actually in melee fight him. And knowing he's not going to win, but when he does, when the Swamp King kills him and uh, absorbs him and takes his power, he also takes the soul of Alec Holland. Yeah, they merge, essentially. They merge, right. And so he gains a soul, is kind of the thought behind that. Yep. Yep. Uh, All right. And then, of course, we only have one issue of Death Metal left coming out this week. We wrap up all of this. Yeah. And wow. 
moving on endless winter uh three issues to wrap this one up i don't i don't feel like we necessarily need to go through these one by one i'm glad yeah i'm glad you said that i I agree with that um i think the main thing i want to talk about here is the way this pretty clearly seems to feed into justice league in march yes um over the course of i think these three issues in particular but this this arc as a whole we get a lot of black adam posturing as a real hero where the justice league has failed right like they're not willing to do what's necessary and when they when they try they're you know they're namby pamby as he would put it whatever approach is you know uh inefficient ineffective and we see a lot of him and superman butting heads about approach in in these issues and i think that sets up a really interesting status quo for a justice league book where black adam is on the team and where hippolyta who also does not really have any use for black adam is on the team is on the team yeah yeah very that was one of the other things they very clearly position her to be more involved so that when that happens it makes sense yeah yep um other than that i think you get a lot of the beats you you maybe expect from this in very satisfying ways um i like that i like the way that the conflict with the frost king is resolved yeah it it, it makes sense it's one of those kind of classic justice league things where essentially they talk him down for now type thing and because they can't save his family they put him in cryostasis until they can solve how to cure all of them so you know it's something that can come back at some point yeah (laughs) Yeah. but i like that it's humane and not just oh we've beaten him to a pulp and whatever all right moving on to uh maybe my favorite book of this week Jenny Hex special number one. Oh, yeah. See, I knew I was going to like this book. Yeah, there was no question. I, I am very happy that I liked it as much or more than I thought I would. Yes. So this is one of our longtime favorites, Magdalene Fazaggio, writing. Yeah. Gleb Melnikov is on art and colors by Luis Guerrero. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Um, so, when this was announced, Magdalene Visaggio tweeted out that her goal for this issue was not in, a, in, an, in and of itself to write a thing that kicks off a new story, because it was just an issue, but to populate the world around Ginny Hex with supporting characters so that someone could start telling stories about her and her friends and family. And I would say that this issue succeeds 100% in that goal. Absolutely. Like, yes. Because, quite honestly, the supporting characters and some of the things around are the best parts of this. Lady Bird. Lady Bird is awesome. Yes. Uh, You know, so essentially we find out that, you know, her mom has left her um this this uh uh repair this garage yeah auto garage um that was her grandfather's apparently um and so you know it kind of has been the home base for the the hex family for a while and uh, by the way i love that it is 
Hex Auto Repair, H-E-C-K apostrophe S. Yes. <laughs> Which leads to some fun. And then we find out that her mom loved bad jokes. The number of bad jokes in this book gave me life. Talk well, about a book tailor-written for my stupid sensibilities. Yeah. Well, and, like, it starts out with, we see the, it starts out with a picture of the garage, right? And and we see Hex Auto Repair, right? And then as we zoom in, we see a, a clo- one close-up shot, one panel close-up of the, of the sign. And we see that there's actually a marquee above it. And written on the marquee are, car puns are exhausting. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is going to be like that, is it? It is. <laughs> Uh, so how how does uh, Batman stop Calendar Man? He punches him in the weak spot. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's those. So good, it's beautiful. So fucking good. Um, so they are Jenny and her assumed best friend that she calls Lady Bird. Yeah, that is uh, her are, name, Lady Bird. Yeah, right. Are in um the, her garage along with Alex, who is uh clearly uh, somebody that was you know a mechanic hired yeah. for the garage right uh, i read as uh, like other friend from school like of the I same i think age. that too yeah. but like i also got the impression that he was a mechanic yes well they leave worked in the garage. at the end of this they leave him running the shop yeah correct yeah correct. yeah uh and this stranger shows up who um is dressed kind of as a as a you know, he's wearing a cowboy hat and this kind of thing and is asking for Jenny Hex. And um, we find out that this is probably Jenny's father. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jack. That he, that he knew Jenny's mom 20 years ago and this whole thing. So uh, she spends, you know, a week or so with him. And uh, of course, then, you know, he's awful. Uh, oh, by the way. <laughs> Can I say? So part of part of the thing during this week is she makes the decision to show him the 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 chest yeah. trunk that holds the hex family weird stuff from Jonah's hex's old days. And what do they have this? What do they have covering this trunk so that it's not just like out in the open, Alex? Oh shoot! What was on the? What was on it? It was. A, it was like a towel or a blanket. Yeah, it was. It was some sort. It was like a yeah with. It was Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner. That's who it was. <laughs> it's like, was like a Guy Gardner blanket. <laughs> it's like oh my god. I wanted to say Thor because I was getting like kind of lunk-headed and drunk. <laughs> Come on, man. So good. Talk about people who Batman punches in the weak spot. Uh... <laughs> um, but yeah, so. You know, they come back, and sure enough, this guy has gotten the uh, uh, chest and has essentially robbed Jenny. Uh, even though it, it turns out it probably is really her dad. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, bakes off with the chest. And we find out that what he's after is a specific item called the God's Eye he had. And that he takes it and puts it into his head. Which is um, super disturbing and very cool. It, it is. Um, and actually, so we actually find out when she goes and tracks him down, um, that it turns him into, you had mentioned his name earlier, but you know, when he puts the God's eye in his forehead and gives him another eye, he becomes three-eyed Jack. Which, and 
here for the punning. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, so he has kind of recreated the town in this Old West style with the power of this god sphere. We should also mention that he is immortal because of the first oh. time he touched the god sphere. Yeah, we should probably mention that. Because um, he, he did hang out with Jonah Hex, who hang right. out, ran into Jonah Hex, who took the god sphere from him. Yeah, essentially, he, yeah, he, we kind of get his history at one point where he sought out and found the God Sphere and hired Jonah Hex to help protect him to get to it. And Jonah recognized that it would be bad if this guy had it, so he took it away from him. Yeah. Um, which is how it ended up in the trunk. And he essentially, um, uh, sought out Jenny's mom, you know, 20 years ago and formed a relationship with her in order to try to find it, but never did because didn't know about the trunk. Yeah. Right. And so then when he found out that, you know, she didn't have it, he left. That's why he left her. Um, didn't know that she was pregnant. And so um, when he read about her death and Jenny, he came back to investigate. And that's when, yeah. And Jenny showed him the trunk. So that's how he got the God's fear back. But yeah, there we go. So. Bad news. He's awful. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Jenny and La Lady Bird essentially find out that his body is now uh, to the point, though, that it can't support the power of the of the uh, God Sphere. So he essentially takes over Lady Bird. Yeah, his plan was to, to take Jenny and her body. Right. But yes. Jenny stops him, so he tries to possess Lady Bird. Jenny stops him, so he dies which he'll get better but jenny takes the god sphere so he no longer has it right uh which leaves lady bird with some kind of superpowers and the two of them go on a road trip yeah well and then i love he he, he takes and he's like uh yeah god the youth of this body and i don't look half bad either and then jenny's response is lady bird's gonna be pissed if you stretch your butt out if you let your butt stretch out those pants designer <laughs> And then we find out that Ladybird is is resisting him from the inside, right? Yeah, and uh, essentially fighting back, which gives her the uh, the chance to you know basically reach in and pull the uh, God Sphere out, right? <laughs> to which Lady she was like, Jenny says. I wasn't going to let him corrupt the person who means the most to me in this whole dumb world. And Lady Bird goes, yeah, also, he couldn't stop thinking about my butt. Man, dudes are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so Lady Bird has these residual powers kind of left in her. And her and Jenny decide to go on a road trip. Anyway, so everyone has to buy two copies of this, so DC turns it into a at least oh miniseries. Yes, this is so good. Uh, yeah, but like this, yeah, it is totally fleshed out where somebody could easily turn this into into something more. Yeah, and I can only hope. Give that me they the do. same creative team, even like just sure, just yeah. All right, moving on. Avengers number forty. I'm gonna be pretty quick on this one. Okay, but this kicks off the the return of the Phoenix Force. Mm -hmm. which was summoned by Moon Knight a couple of issues ago. And 
essentially is now forcing various Avengers cast members to fight for the right to be the Phoenix. None of them wants it, other than Doctor Doom. So you're saying they've got to fight for the right to Phoenix? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but essentially, the Phoenix is pitting them against each other, and whoever wins has to become its new host. Uh, and I want to just sort of give a quick rundown of, on the last page, we see sort of the roster for this fight. Uh, Cap, Black Panther, She-Hulk, Namor, Wolverine. So far, like, names you'd expect, right? Definitely. Um... I believe this character is Red Wolf. Okay. There's the eyeball. You know, the eyeball who's like a giant eyeball on a body. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Shang-Chi. Okay. Uh, a hooded character who I assume is the hood. Black Knight. Man-Thing. Luke Cage. Sentry. Shauna the She-Devil. Jane Foster Valkyrie. Lunella and Devil Dinosaur. And Howard the Duck. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I don't know what the Phoenix Force is thinking, but it's definitely choosing a wide variety of contenders. Wow. Ow. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not in this battle, but at some point we do know one of those people will definitely be a host for the Phoenix Force. Yeah. We know Wolverine will get it at some point. That's true. Because that, he has it at the end of time. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, it's also a good Captain America issue, just side note. Very cool. Yeah, we get a lot of Cap in this one. Uh, King and Black Roundup. We're going to talk King and Black number two, King and Black, Iron Man, Doctor Doom, and Spider-Woman number seven. First, King and Black number two. Uh, at the end of the last issue, Eddie gets thrown off a building. The most recent issue of Venom is very much like that scene in, in, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Where we get the whale's monologue as it falls. <laughs> uh, the last issue of Venom was The Fall. <laughs> this issue starts with The Landing, which is ah. painful and uh, ultimately probably lethal. Oh. Um, Spidey goes to get Dylan out of the bunker and tries to, like, be there for him. While Reed Richards and Tony Stark are on their bullshit. Tony builds a suit to let him steal a symbiote off a dragon to try to attach it to Eddie to revive him, which goes badly. And Reed realizes, oh, hey, Dylan, you can remove symbiotes from people. Cool, let's weaponize you, a child. When did Reed become Batman? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, And then as Reed is having his epiphany, Eddie flatlines. That takes us pretty directly into King and in Black Iron Man slash Doctor Doom, which is a one shot. Um, I know I've talked about this before because the premise is so batshit insane that yep. it is maybe the single most must read issue of all the King and Black stuff to me. Well, if you have any doubts, uh, Santa in his sleigh is on the cover of this. Yeah, so this picks up basically right after King and Black number two. Tony is kicking himself for basically having killed Eddie Brock and their one kind of competitive advantage on Null. When he sees Doctor Doom 
And then the two of them see Santa Claus flying in a sleigh through the sky with reindeer. And Santa and the reindeer have all been nullified. Of course they have. And these are words that are about to come out of my mouth. Jesus. Iron Man and Doctor Doom fight Santa and his reindeer. To restore Santa Claus to his usual jolly self. <sighs> it is batshit insane and art with a capital A. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It is gorgeous. <laughs> oh, no, it's beautiful, too. But I mean, just it is the 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 this this book, this story, I think, transcends artistic medium and is now the platonic oh, ideal of what art is. I understand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then we have Spider-Woman number seven, which you're going to tell us about, Brian. Yeah, this is, um, this is a kind of interlude to deal with a creature, um, from Jessica's search for a cure for the, essentially, disease that is killing her, uh, and her niece, and potentially, at some point, her son. Yep. Um... So, uh, I read, like, three of these to get caught up today, and um, she is not in a good place right now. No, this book gets very dark. Like, the series Holy crap, yeah. And so, essentially, Carol has pulled her out of this search to help defend the clinic that the night nurse runs. Um... And also there are Power Man and Iron Fist and Hawkeye. Clint um, and there is this symbiote creature, and it turns out that Carol can't use her energy blasts because they need to save them for, I'm assuming, when Null actually appears. Yeah, depending kind of on like when this thought. is set. Yeah, well, she mentioned something about, I can't use them right now because I have to keep them in reserve. Yeah. It Yeah. Uh yeah, and, and and the thing that that this creature is weak to is apparently energy blasts. Gotcha. Right. So she that's why she pulled in Jessica to help fight this. Cool. Um, and so Jessica gets the night nurse to give her like four vials of this thing. So the 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 interim serum that Jessica is taking to keep her from dying. Gives, makes her stronger when she takes but it. But also essentially makes her not care about what happens to other people around her and makes her stronger and angrier. So think more Hulk, but like also I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Joe, fix it. Yeah, exactly. So she takes like four of these at the same time to get the energy boost she needs to fight this creature. Oh, good. Yeah, no, no not. It's not. Um, because, hey, oh, hey, Brian. Yeah. This is a complete tangent. But do you think in the Marvel Universe, there are Hulk-branded energy drinks? Oh. Duh. Does Red Hulk give you wings? <laughs> he gave Betsy Ross wings. <laughs> there you go. And there it is. There it is. <laughs> anyway, as you were saying. <laughs> yeah, so she takes this creature down easily after this. <laughs> And then when Carol tries to talk her down and calm her down, she knocks, she beats the shit out of Carol. Mm. And then uh, Luke Cage and Danny try to step in, and Danny fights her, 
and she beats them up. Like, literally, there's kind of no stopping her at this point until Carol then comes back and, like, does not hold back at all in hitting her, which drops her just long enough for the night nurse to put some uh, some energy cuffs that Stephen Strange left for her on her and drag her down to the basement where she has a, um, what do they call it? Uh, a Hulk tank, okay. which is a Tony Stark design device to hold the Hulk. And uh, <laughs> Clint is like, Linda, honey, um, why do you have a Hulk tank in your basement? <laughs> you, ever tried, you ever try to give Bruce a shot? Dude is not good with needles. <laughs> um, and then they essentially discover that this device may not hold her in her current state. Oh, no. Like, this is how powerful she is right now? Yeah. And Carol gets called, like, I'm assuming because of the null thing happening, yeah. to go help and, like, has to leave. And so they're all, okay, and... So she breaks free of the of the restraints easily, and then they are hoping that the the uh, force field will hold her. And so they leave, and uh, she starts cracking the force field, and then Octavia shows up again, and that's where we're left going into next issue. Ah, good old Octavia. Uh, yeah, which has to do with her, and yeah, so like she is not in a good place no. right now yeah yeah well something perhaps a little more upbeat power pack number two. Oh my god i am loving this so so much so if you remember where we left off of the last issue um somebody's they... going to emergency somebody's going to jail <laughs> yeah power pack's going to jail yes that's that sounds about right um because <laughs> they are um they get confronted by Cradle because of Kamala's law. And I like the argument that goes in this is just one of my favorite things. So yeah, Alex is like, hey, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm over 21. I can act as mentor to them and we're all good. She's like, yeah, I saw something in your files about um, you spent time in space and there's like some relativistic effects and stuff going on. But um we don't know exactly what that means, and I have a birth record that shows that you're clearly under 21, and you surrounded yourself with minors, um, and you're trying to use techno babble to get out of this, so I'm going to call you not an adult and arrest you. Come on! How is that fair? That is so unfair! And the fact that you essentially did a variation of no fair means I, I, there's no doubt that you're a child <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, so... Then this character called Agent Ether shows up, A-E-T-H-E-R, um, and says, oh, well, you know what? I can uh, I can act as their mentor. And she's like, uh, yeah, no, they needed a mentor before they did this, so we're going to we're gonna haul them off. And then Julie steps up, because Julie is the best. Julie is the best. And says, uh, you know, officer, um, you really don't want to do this. And she's like, um, I'll assure you, dude, there's there's nothing you literal children can say. And she's like, well, see, the law says that it's anyone under 21, right? But they don't exactly define what under 21 means. And so 
given that um, he does have this relativistic age thing going on and that uh, it's likely to, to, to devolve into an unresolved legal issue in, uh, of identity and self, this could easily be a case that goes to the Supreme Court. And if that happens and they define it differently, you know, there's a good chance it could null and void all of Kamala's law itself, which I don't think you want happening. So um, maybe you should recognize him right now as, as 21 and or you know, at least accept Aether as our mentor right now and let us go. And she's like, oh, my God, I so don't want to deal with this. Fine. You have like 24 hours to find a and register a mentor or uh, I will be back to arrest you. <laughs> I I feel like Julie needs she-hulk as her mentor because uh that's going to be a good reference on law school oh. applications oh no welcome to what is the next 24 hours which is them going in search of a mentor <laughs> because they all have different ideas of who their mentor should be right yep um and uh let's see well first of all agent aether offers to be their mentor and they're like yeah well we don't know you so if you don't like thank you but uh, you know, we're gonna go find right. Um, we're gonna go find one, right? And so they 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 set out to talk about you know who who their uh, who their mentor should be or whatever. Um, and essentially, uh, Alex is like, I think we should find somebody who just um, you know, will let us do our own thing. Clearly, we know what we're doing. <laughs> you know, basically a a sign off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Katie's like, who I call Spider-Man? She's like, no, I don't think he's old enough. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, he's called Spider-Man, not Spider-Boy. When you get older, <laughs> you'll re- uh, Jack says that. Uh, Julie, he's called Spider-Man, not Spider-Boy, duh. Um, when you get older, Jack, you're always calling yourself a man. Uh, when you're still a boy is 100% thing a boy would do. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, to which <laughs> Julie then says, um... I think we need to find somebody who's sensible who could actually teach us something. So I vote for Captain Marvel, to which Jack's <laughs> response is, you just want her because she's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I want her because she's got energy powers, which are Katie adjacent, plus flight, which kind of covers the rest of us in some way. And yes, she's also a babe, but she can't help that. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then he's like, no, we need somebody who's strong. You know, who's the strongest? And like the other three just put their heads in their hands and go, the Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) So like, yeah, like I said, they have this whole thing. And he's like, uh, and that's when Alex says, I don't know. I want somebody who will just do the job in name only and leave us free to be, be ourselves. Heck, I don't know. Someone like Frog Thor. And then, of course, Katie and Jack look at each other and go, Frog Thor! <laughs> Frog so, Thor is yeah, the right answer. The next thing is them literally going around to try to find Captain Marvel and uh, Frog Thor, to which they go to, <laughs> which they go to Midgar, uh, to uh, Asgard, <laughs> and Sif is there, and he's like, "Yeah, Thor's not here. Um, he's busy running an entire realm right now." And they're like, "Okay, but what about Frog Thor?" Uh... I would direct thee to the signs, children. 
to which they turn and there's a sign that says, no, we do not know where Frog Thor is, and verily tis insulting when these suggest a Midgardian <laughs> frog makes a perfectly viable substitute for our literal king or sooth. <laughs> <laughs> now do you know why I love this comic, Alex? I do, I do. Okay. 100%. Yes. Uh, then they make the mistake of trying to find, actually try to find Hulk, and they're like, yeah, we'd like to find him too. <laughs> to which he's like, uh, yeah, and kids, you, you probably don't want to go anywhere near him, and Jack goes, aw, Hulk smash my feelings. Yeah, he'll do that, kids. <laughs> <laughs> then, then they go to Monster Island and ask Deadpool. <laughs> Uh, to and then they ask Tony Stark, and he's like, "No, I can't do that right now." And that would be a really bad idea, anyway. Me mentoring kids. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's an obvious answer here, which is, in fact, Reed Richards, right? Yeah. Because um, at least two of them have been his student at this point. Yeah, and of course, where this comes back to is eventually they call and ask Agent Aether if if he would do it. Right? Yeah. Or to interview him, at least, which I do love, is the idea was they were going to interview them for, <laughs> for who could be their mentor. Um, and he comes in and he's like, uh, so if you were our mentor, how would this work? And he was like, you know, I spent a long time thinking about this and like, you know, fighting and stopping kid people from taking purses from people. and But like, it's so small. And I did a lot, like a lot of studying. And what I figured out is, if you really want to stop crime and have the single biggest impact on the world, uh, the best way to do that would be to provide, provide free energy to people. Because if you can provide free energy to the, the people, you decrease crime, you raise the standard of living for people. Like, all of this stuff that makes, like, real-world sense, uh -huh. but, like, is kind of boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> and eventually they're like, I mean, yeah, I Yes, but, um, you know, and so he explains how power plants work, that, like, essentially, there's all these different ways for generating what is essentially a way to heat up water to turn turbines to make electrical energy, right? Because that's true. That's essentially what all power plants do in some form or another. Yeah. And how, you know, instead of burning fuel, Katie could just throw energy balls into water to heat it up, or... Uh, zero G could alternate a wheel to spin it to generate, you know, on a turbine to spin things and like the different ways that they could actually generate power and that that would be the greatest way they could contribute to helping people. And they're like, well, I mean, we thought of that and it's kind of boring, but I'm, I, yeah, I guess it does <laughs> kind of make sense. Right. To which they talk it over and they're like, yeah, okay, well, I, I guess we'll do it. And so they go home and they go back to their parents. And they had told their parents they were at the library all day, and to which they did go to the library for like 20 minutes just so it wouldn't be a lie. <laughs> I love child logic. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and so they get home and they're like, oh, kids, uh, what'd you do today? And they're like, it was great. We didn't. And I learned what power plants are, <laughs> how power <laughs> plants work. <laughs> so, and then we find out that um, that Agent Aether is, of course, into someone in disguise, and it's really the wizard oops oopsie yeah but like so good awesome so good god i love this meanwhile on krakoa uh we have excalibur number 16 which begins the search for betsy braddock yes who is still lost 
somewhere in reality, the team first approaches Jamie Braddock and asks basically for the okay to go look for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her sister-in-law joins the hunt, Megan Braddock. She does. I I do want to point out real quick, this is after they, which I love that they included in this, this is after they filed a missing persons report with X Factor. Yes. To see if they would they could investigate and declare Betsy gone so she could be resurrected. Yeah. And essentially what they were like is, well, okay, A, she went in Otherworld. B, um, everybody reported the same things. There's no discrepancy in what happened, but the fact that she just shattered at one blow and the pieces were collected, like, we all know that shit's crazy enough, especially in Otherworld, that that doesn't mean she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't declare her dead. <laughs> yep. I was like, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> um, So they go to the spot where she broke. Yep. And it turns out that Megan's powers basically come from other worlds, so she is souped up, amped up. They summon representatives of the Captain Britain Corps and explain the issue, and they're like, yeah, it was on our to-do list, but since you guys have no clue either, we're going to expedite this. Yeah. And then... I forget if it's the last page or a shot of the cover to the next issue, but we see... No, it's the last page. Okay. I read yeah. this two weeks ago, so... Um, we see... Let, let's say that Betsy calls for an angel in the morning. Yeah. Baby. Uh, then we have X-Men, number 16. Yeah. Uh, so this is... I think to call it a stage setting issue does it a disservice, but there is a lot of defining new status quo, and... Yes some things that have to be addressed out of Ten of Swords in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we... so there, and there were a couple things I was really happy to see. Yeah? Um, yeah, like one is, you know, uh, there's a point where uh, we get the, um, dealt with the question of uh, Jean Grey quitting the Quiet Council, right? Yeah. And, and Apocalypse's and they, open right. seat. And, and, and essentially, they, you know, Charles and Magneto say, yes, yeah, so one thing is, you know, we would like you to, you quit the council, we would like you to rejoin, and, you know, it would be kind of a de facto, we would, we would you know, certainly vote to reinstate you. So it's not like she, the fact that, you know, oh, you quit so you could never be this again. Yeah. It's a... Well, you made that choice, so technically we have to reelect you kind of thing. To which, yes, yeah, she says no. <laughs> and who do they want to take Apocalypse's seat? Cyclops. Who also says no. Who also says no. And why do and they like, say no? And they're like, what? Why? And they're like, because we've recognized that one of the things that is needed is the X-Men. And the X-Men are not going to be something that is necessarily sanctioned by the quiet council or like created by the by the government yeah they need it's, they need the x-men to appear as a tool of the citizens of krakoa not right the invention of people sitting in a room making decisions correct they are they are essentially the team that represents the people the citizens and as krakoa. a result how are they selecting their membership well, how would you do that? Clearly, you would make it an election. They're going to have people propose 
propose people for membership and have an, a vote on it. And the one restriction is you can't be a member of the Quiet Council and be on the team. Correct. Yep. I love it. So, okay. If they're having an election to vote for X-Men, uh huh. I want to do this quickly. I don't want us to spend a lot of time here. But who do you think wins this vote? Who are uh, some well, characters who are going to, like, do well in the polls? Uh, Domino, for luck. Yeah. Right, because of her luck. Um, I feel like Nightcrawler. Kurt's, like, beloved by everyone. But he would have to quit the Quiet Council. Oh, that's true. He is on the Quiet Council. Never yeah. mind. And so I don't think, I don't think he's going to be an option. Yeah. Um, no, um, uh, oh, God damn it. Um, brain farting, um, which I don't think is going to happen because, um, He's currently part of uh, X Factor, but um, uh, Wolverine's son, Dokken. Uh, yeah, right. I don't Dokken think anybody do likes Dokken except Dokken. Well, right, but he's—I mean, charisma-wise, <laughs> that's kind of his mutant power. <laughs> I think you're mistaking charisma and pheromones again. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that, that may that may well be. Um. Let's see. Now, who who would who would do well? Um, you, you know who might do well at this point? Uh, the Blob. Yeah, right, Fred. Yeah, I mean he's would the bartender. He... He's exactly everybody knows his name. Indeed, I think he would do real well. Um, I'm trying to think of who else would. Uh... No storms on the Quiet Council. Like a lot of the characters who would be shoeing are Quiet Council members. Yes. Um, possibly, I don't know if he would do it, but maybe Peter. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm super excited to see. Yeah, I think it's going to be a wild roster. I, I, I kind of do too. Yeah. Like, I think one of the reasons they're doing this as an election is so they can throw some real wild cards on there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> yes! Crossbone, 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 yes! <laughs> we all wrote in Mr. Sinister. It was a joke. What? <laughs> yeah. All right. Then we, well, yes. then we move on to the other part of this book, which is the reunification between Krakoa and Arako, which, yes. as it turns out, if you've lived in different dimensions for thousands of years, to the point where you're not even speaking the same language... You're not necessarily going to have a smooth, easy reunification. Um, one might say that they've grown apart. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Um, but we learn a couple of things. Arako has its own shadow council. Is that what it's called? Uh, no. A circle. The... Yeah, hang on. I'm gonna the ring, maybe. Uh, yep, the ring. The ring. They have their own equivalent to the Quiet Council. Yes. Uh, with three houses and maybe a secret house. I mean, definitely a secret Definitely house, right? a secret house. <laughs> yes. Uh, we also learned that there are way more Iraqi mutants. And that they're... And Araco is bigger than Krakoa. Much bigger. Yes. Um, and it fits with everything we've learned about like the Iraqi versions of the uh, marauders who came back like they're harder they're more battle ready like that is indicative of all of iraqi society and um, I, I love it when she asks them um 
the Great Ring, by the way, is what it's specifically gotcha. called. Yeah. Uh, and she said, yeah, and it's been, uh, uh, you know, it's been so for thousands of years. What's your government? And Magneto goes, it's called the Quiet Council. It's a noble body full of wise leaders who will rule for thousands of years and beyond. And she just looks at him and Cossie said, I see through you, mutant, all the way to the truth. You are children running a child government. Yes. <laughs> Which is, of course, and not to say it's a bad kind thing, of just where inexperienced this... and prone to bear the fruit of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is kind of where this this sort of leaves itself. The Iraqi government offers to step in and show Krakoa how it's done. Yeah. Krakoa's like, no, we're good, thank you. And yeah. so they just kind of establish detente. There is sort of a clear disdain for Krakoa letting humans still live as Correct. more or less equals. Yeah, she basically says, humans is still are here i'm i'm surprised that's the thing that persists here <laughs> oh okay yeah. so uh a lot of stuff will come out of this issue oh yes like and here's this is what's so fascinating to me about what hickman and and all of all of the creators for all the xbooks have set up with this is there's really not like an evil side to this right right there's just a side that's so different that you can easily see some people labeling it evil yes i love this complexity yeah it's so good <laughs> then we move on to wolverine which starts with a sequence uh wolverine and his his new human buddy are hanging out in the backyard drinking drinks and comparing stories about the horrible things they've had to do in war Yep. Uh, and then we jump to more or less the present, where someone has broken in and stolen records relating to, what is it called, X-Team? Is that right? Uh, I think it's uh, Team, Team X. X. Yeah. Um, and, well, as far as they know, Sabretooth is accounted for, and it wasn't Wolverine, so therefore it must be Maverick. And... They tie Maverick to, and uh, the thieves in, in this heist, to, do you remember from earlier issues of X-Force, the Mercs? Yep. Yeah, I I actually had to go back and do a little rereading just to connect the dots on this one. Gotcha. Um, Because we have a character in this who was a member of the Mercs, uh, who talks about his dog Rufus. I'm like, oh shit, that's Rufus from... Yep. The last X-Force issue. Uh-huh. And then I went back just to double-check it, and there was a caption about, yeah, go back to X-Force number five. So I went back and I reread X-Force number five as well. And this guy was there. And Rufus was mentioned a couple of times, although we never saw him. There was a text page where Beast talked about having reached out on his own without anyone's approval to the Mercs to see if they would come work for Krakoa if needed. Um, like all this stuff seeded more than a year ago, paying off now. Yep. Um, I know next to nothing about Maverick, if I'm being honest. So like that piece is a big question mark to me, but this is again, like threads from X-Force coming together here in Wolverine. I, I, the other thing I love is we get a text page that tells us essentially that, uh, Krakoa also has, um, uh, listening stones. Yeah, organic echoes that yeah. they have put in people's locations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yet. Um, and the other piece of this, and we get some Dokken, and we get some Honey Badger. Yeah. Is a confrontation between Wolverine and family and Omega Red. And this was another piece where I went back and I reread part of the most recent X-Force. Like, this was the other reason I opened up that issue. Because Omega Red here insists that, no, I'm not working with the vampires. You are mesmerized, Wolverine. Right. I didn't, I didn't take you to them, and I didn't dra- you, you know, hold you down under the yeah. water of the lake. And... and I went back and read that X-Force issue again, and those scenes with Omega okay. Red. And if you reread it, there's no proof that it has anything to do with vampires. There's the device that's implanted in him that Beast replaces with a bugged version of. Uh-huh. But it's a lot of Wolverine saying, no, 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 he's definitely doing this, and Beast saying, well, he definitely... Thinks he's telling the truth and definitely has been manipulated by someone. But there's no proof that it actually is vampires there. So there is a lot of potential in this. Or that Omega for... Red actually did that to him. It may be that Omega Red didn't actually drag him to the vampires and right. someone else did. Or he did. Right. Neither Omega Red nor Wolverine is actually a reliable source of information here. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when he said that, I was like, mm, I, I literally, I thought about the fact of, I wonder if, I, if if I went and reread this with this knowledge, if I would see it differently, right? The answer is yes. Okay. That, I'm, I, thank you for doing that for me, Alex. Now I don't yeah. have to. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. All uh, right. Anything else here? Uh, no, other than they also established that they have what is equivalent, as, as he, um, they call it the shadow room. Mm-hmm. Uh, or as Logan describes it, a CSI version of the Danger Room. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was cool. Um, I'm also going to be even more upset if Rufus is not okay. Oh, right. When a man's dying words are, is my dog okay? The dog had better be okay. The dog better be okay. All right, is it still good? Something is killing the children. Erica and her two kid buddies... Take the fight to the monsters, because the real monsters are the Order, and are being terrible. An Unkindness what? of Ravens, number four, Brian. Um, so, our our main character finds finds out the big secret that she has, uh, uh, that, that everybody has been keeping from her the whole time. Um, uh, she has a confrontation with her father about it. And um, things are starting to make more sense slightly, but um, there's still a lot of questions out there. I really am digging this. I'm going to have to have you guys read this at some point. Cool. Batman Superman number 15. Some days, the only way to get rid of a bomb is to drop that bomb in Slaughter Swamp, specifically when that bomb is Solomon Grundy. Batman number 50. Wonder Woman and Terry team up to stop Ink from impersonating Batman. Wonder Woman, number 769, Brian. Um, Wonder Woman, Diana shows Liar Liar the truth that she needs to see. The Department of Truth, number four. Uh, we learn the secret history of QAnon bullshit in related news. Fuck QAnon. <laughs> Uh, and Lee gives the main character a difficult choice about becoming a team member and hopefully one of the good guys. I I don't know how James Tynan writes and researches this book without losing his goddamn mind. 
Nobody Returns, number eight. We learn who has been pulling the strings and meet one of Warren's exes. Shang-Chi, number four. Shang-Chi learns that maybe the only way to get through the family bullshit is to lean into the family bullshit. The picture of everything else, number one. We previewed this one a couple of weeks before it came out. But just as a reminder, this book is excellent and gorgeous. Uh, A pair of thieves slash artists accidentally stumble upon a murderer who kills people by painting them and then destroying their paintings. Uh, And one of them has to become his apprentice in order for them both to live. Shadow Service number five, Gina finally tracks down her quarry and then goes rogue from MI666. Wasted Space number 18, maybe when you're presented with a perfect version of Earth that gives you everything you wanted, it is in fact a trap. This week's books, we got a bunch of stuff here. Uh, Both of us, surprising nobody, are very excited for Future State. Yeah. Coming out. The the whole thing, all of it. (laughs) A quick rundown of the books coming out this week. Harley Quinn, number one of two, by Stephanie Phillips and Simone DeMeo. Superman, number one of two, with stories by Sean Lewis and John Timms, Sean Lewis and Coley Hamner, and Brandon Easton and Valentin Delandro. Swamp Thing, number one of two, by Rom V and Mike Perkins. The Flash, number one of two, by Brandon Vietti and Dale Eaglesham. The Next Batman, number one of four, with stories by John Ridley and Nick Darrington, Brandon Thomas and Sumit Kumar, and Paul Jenkins and Jackson Herbert. And Wonder Woman number one of two by Joel Jones. Uh, in other releases, lest you think this is a light week. <sighs> no. The Wrong Earth Night and Day number one, which picks up where the first Wrong Earth series left off. By Tom Payer, Jamal Eigel, and Juan Castro. Return of the Valkyries number one of four. Brian. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is uh, King and Black tie-in that... Um brings back not just Jane Foster, but uh, reintroduces the host of Valkyrie. Eternals number one finally launches after a bit of a delay. Uh, This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Isad Ribic and colors by Matthew Wilson. I'm going to say I know absolutely nothing about Eternals. There is maybe no corner of Marvel that I know less about, but this creative team is at least guaranteeing that I check it out. And finally, Brian, tell me about The Last Witch number one. Yeah, this is one I talked about in solicitations that's uh, described as a modern fairy tale from uh, Connor McCreary, uh, who was involved with Adventure Time. So I'm super excited about this. Uh, and it is essentially a uh, about a young witch who is, um, you know, trying to discover a, a, a truth about her her uh, village and, and save them. Cool. And it just looked really cool. It's from uh, Boombox. And I believe that is it for us this week. Don't forget yeah. to check out the March Solicitations bonus episode, which should already be in your podcast feed and is up on our YouTube page as well. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology, get merch at bit.ly slash panelologymerch, capital P, capital M, or send us questions and comments at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Go read comics. 